Hello, hello, hello. Good evening and welcome to the experience with Michael Aaron Casares. And I'm doing another simulcast live edition where we record for our anchor drop and we reach out to our friends and family on YouTube to say hello live <clears throat> for this in-studio recording. Uh, um, but it's good to be here. I'm actually doing a drop on my second um, uh, YouTube channel. That is uh, the Mr. C channel. Uh, I can't quite remember what the uh, drop is for that one as far as the URL is, but here we are nonetheless having a fun time. I hope it's live. I don't know. I mean, supposedly, yeah, it looks like it is. It looks like Weeze is live on the Mr. C channel. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, youtube.com slash user slash VGPMEDIA. That's VGP Media. Now, that's the YouTube channel I have that houses more like... Uh, there are news clips. There are clips of interest in regards to uh, current events and, uh, you know, even some celebrity gossip. Uh, there's also uh, the C Report. Um, you'll see more C Report over at the Mr. C channel. I don't typically drop uh, an experience live on this channel, but I am today for a very particular reason, a very particular reason indeed, because last night on the episode, if any of y'all were listening, um, I had a very particular episode uh, in which I was talking about um, human trafficking. So... Because um, that episode, it, it was, it was very particular. Uh, I mean, in a sense that I, I was go listen to the episode. That's all I have to go say. Oh wait, you know what? Before we get too far into it, let me take care of some of my branding. Hello. Uh, yes, go visit the experience podcast.wordpress.com for more information and anyways I did I'm terrible I'm terrible I'm sorry I'm still a rookie a rookie uh, talk show host radio podcast individual person uh, entity but as I was saying um so you know I don't even do any lead-in you know I just go straight to I get you know what the audience will love me for it so, uh, the strangest thing happened. Now, here's the lead-in. Here's the lead-in. Um, so, I, I talked to you all a lot at the beginning of this podcast about some of my other ventures in this life. Uh, that including, of course, writing. Uh, of course, I'm reading my poetry to you guys. Um, uh, and uh, I've mentioned my books, my fiction, etc., uh, my novels. Um, I've mentioned, I believe, maybe a few times um, about how I publish as well. So I, I don't publish as much as I used to. Now, I don't know. I, I, I That's why I believe that maybe perhaps in one of my most recent incarnations prior to this, um, I was a publisher or a writer of some type. 
I don't know to what extent or what I did or who I was. I don't know. I have impressionable ideas, but none that I would, none that I would take to the bank. Um, because I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about who, anyways, it doesn't matter. Don't worry, it wasn't Cleopatra. I was not Cleopatra in a past life, if that's what you're thinking. I wasn't uh, King James or Jesus Christ or anyone like that, for that matter. But in a past life, I had to have been because in uh, my youth, I was always telling stories whether, uh, well, it started, it started um, verbally and then it went into I would draw it and then I would write it and then a combination. And I did that throughout my youth and I carried it on into my adolescence and into my young adulthood and on into my adulthood. And when I was in high school, I started experimenting with publishing and self-publishing and trying to figure out what it took to be a publisher and I never mastered it by any means um, because there are certain aspects to expanding that business that I just never had the tools to do it. I had the vision, I had the drive, um, I had I had the ability for what I could do and again like I was talking about in one of my previous podcasts um, when I ventured into self-publishing prior to the print-on-demand boom, it was very expensive. So I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a full-fledged, like, giant publishing company, you know? Because, uh, I mean, now you could do it. I mean, I mean, of course, if you have, like, massive computers and massive printers, yeah, it's easy. Uh, printers and binders and slicers and dicers and pasters and gluers and staplers oh my like as long as you have all that yeah you can do it you know but I ventured into publishing and self-publishing in high school in like oh two oh three and I started doing chat books so you know what a chat book is if you don't know what a chat book is real quick this is what a chat book is a chat book is like a small or you know brochure version of a book like think about a chapter say your author released his next book in chapters just the chapter bound stapled printed that's a chat book stapled and printed it's not perfect bound it's not a paperback it's generally stapled um that's called saddle stitch in the industry and so uh, i did that i did that for gosh between 2003 and 2005 i created maybe three personal chat books they weren't long. It was poetry and fiction, short fiction. In 2005, that's when I published, self-published the expensive short run of my first collection of poetry. 
And then between then and 2010, I published chat books. I published my own chat books and with my publishing company, Virgo Grey Press, I published the chat books of other people. Um, all in all, I probably, as far as chat book publications, which were generally between anywhere between like 20, 25 pages and like 40 pages, um, they were all, um, printed and 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 stapled or saddle stitched they were all handmade and uh it in total virgo gray press um my publishing company we did 50 publications in total and in 2010 that's when we moved to uh print on demand and I stopped making chapbooks because I handmade every chapbook. So if you ever come across a Virgo Grey Press chapbook, and they're out there scattered around America, um, if you ever come across one, <laughs> if you ever come across one, it was bound, printed, stapled, bound with love by yours truly, Michael Aaron Cossers. So, um, and they're out there. Like, you, you know, uh, there's some in California. There's some in Nevada. There's some in Florida. There's some in New York. There's all over Texas. There's some in, uh, there's some in Illinois. There's some in Ohio. There's some in Washington. Um, there's some around, uh, international as well. You know, like I had international writers as well. I didn't do too many chat books for international writers because, um, the, the cost to ship and, and I wouldn't just, it, I mean, you know, I was their publisher. I couldn't offer the money, but what I could do is I could offer them, um, you know, uh, a pretty good quantity of, uh, publications and I would send them like, you know, 25 or 30 copies of their book. That way they could sell them. And I figured, well, hey, if I can't pay you, um, at least, you know, at least let me, uh, at least let me give you copies you can sell to get money. And then also the rights revert back to you. So I am going to keep on selling this book. But if you want to take your manuscript somewhere else in a few years, go ahead and do what you want to do. With it. If you want to republish it, go ahead and do what you want to do with it, you know. But um, that was just because I loved, I loved, I loved reading poetry and I loved publishing. I don't know why I love making books. I don't know why I love making books, but I do. And I did. And I did it for a long time. Um, very heavily so. Very, very heavily so. Um, so... You're probably wondering, what the hell, Michael, <laughs> does this have to do with the topic of the conversation? Let me tell you what it has to do after these messages. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Anyways. Um, oh, I hit the wrong button, my bad. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. Um, okay, so what this has to do with it is like, um, I'm not done telling you my story. So uh, those are just chat books. Uh, I did 50 publications, um, a couple of full-size collections, a couple of anthologies. Um, I, I, I have a poetry um, website where I publish 
poetry uh, from writers were from all all around the world really a uh, carcinogenic poetry is the name of the online poetry journal and um it's it's an off and on poetry journal like i've never like i don't know i don't really talk about this stuff to people too much so and and i never really put my face out per se so i hope they don't hunt me down i've done a couple of patriotic um poetry anthologies um where you know people from around the country sent their patriotic poems and we uh had a powwow um you know, we've done different topics and stuff. So I've worked with a lot, well, I worked with a lot of different poets. And this was, you know, between like 2005 and 2014 or so. And after that, I really dipped out. And, and the reason for that was primarily because of politics. Now, you cannot be in the literary scene in any city in any city and not to be attacked by some bleeding liberal progressive leftist violent blm antifa um spoken word artist you know <laughs> like basically that's just all there is to it like they will attack you and one time i had a, a i had a a poetry battle with this one woman. Um, I, I think that's how she identified. I could be wrong, but, um, because she wanted to go up there and read poetry about climate change and, Oh, climate change is real. Climate change is real. Climate change is real. And, you know, and huff and puff and huffle and puffle, etc. And I went up there and I was just like, uh, I was just like, and think about the sun, you know, the sun is affecting the climate of the galaxy. And, you know, I said it a whole lot more poetically uh, than that. And, and maybe somewhere in all of my notebooks, the poem that I used to fight her <laughs> and prove her wrong exists somewhere. But um, that was back in like, 12 or 11 or 10 or 13 at the latest um but anyways so getting back to the point <laughs> um i have worked with i would say hundreds literally hundreds hundreds of of poets have uh their work of hundreds of poets have crossed my desk and never ever ever has anything like what has happened yesterday to me happened and i i i i'm not trying to sound excited about this because and the reason why i had a venti espresso at like noon okay no just kidding um americano blonde no room. Anyways, um, no. So, last night I got on the experience and I talked to the audience about human trafficking. And, you know, I, I shared my experience that I personally have had with this issue. And then we, you know, talked about some articles and uh, some news reports and that kind of thing. Um, just because 
again, I think it's very important that now we as a human species have pants big enough to stomach this topic and to really begin to hear about it, to allow it to sink into our minds so that we can begin to face the issue as and be brave about it, be brave enough for the people who are suffering through it to take action, to do something against it, to say, I'm not going to be paralyzed with fear. I'm not going to be paralyzed with inability because I don't know, because I don't understand, because it's scary. Imagine the people who are fearless and have been trained and they go down into the ground, into caverns, into subterranean levels of who knows what, tunnels, caves, cities, ground underground, and they find dens and cages of people who have been kept down there in the dark, who have been used for God knows what, who have been abused and punished for God knows why. We, as a human race, are ready to address these issues. We are ready to confront them. We are ready to see them with that inner calmness, that firm and silent resolve that comes with the understanding of love, and how love can actually strengthen and empower us to do what is right and to do something to assist our brothers and sisters who are suffering around the world in these situations. With that said, this morning I woke up and I was like, I'm starting to feel my groove. I'm doing this podcast and I'm also doing the Sea Report podcast and I'm doing work with Q&A Holes podcast and everything's starting to mesh. I'm working with, you know, the, the crew over there. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's a small family and it's, it's like a, 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 at least a good five or six men crew. And, you know, I'm I'm starting to feel the flow. So I like I I know what I'm going to do, right? I know where I'm going to place my day to where I can make it work and it flows to where everything needs to land and it'll it'll land. You know, where I'm finally and I haven't had this feeling in a while, right? So I'm feeling like we're ready to put the next block in place to make this day flow. And I open up an email account that I use every now and then because I have multiples, obviously. But when I was publishing, I, I made the mistake of using my personal email to accept submissions from writers and add that with, you know, spam mail and other publishing activities and other account activities for social medias, etc. I was inundated. 
And so I, I made an email that was specifically for publishing. So I was like, well, I, I, the, the most, what I, the only publishing that I'm doing right now is self-publishing. So I recently published, uh, my, my collection of poetry, The Vanishing Publish, The Vanishing Poet, which is a full length collection, which means it's, it's, it's like about a hundred pages. And, um, I also published two supplemental chapbooks, which are about 20 to 30 pages each supplemental, uh, for the collection. So in other words, they're like, they're like the singles and the EPs to the album. And, um, that, that I did for myself, you know, um, I'm currently not publishing full collections or novels of fiction or whatever book length manuscripts of other writers. I'm just, I can't do that right now. I don't have room or time for that. Although I would love to do that again someday because I, I really enjoyed the idea of creating a library of writing that was, well, I mean, to my taste, I guess you could say, but the Virgo Grey Press library has, a, a, it's a, it's a pretty massive library for what it is. If I were to put every piece of work ever published by Virgo Grey Press into an anthology, um, it would easily take up over a thousand pages. But um, anyways, getting back to what I was saying, um, I I do still occasionally publish um, on an online poetry journal and also on the Virgo Gray Press website, which is the, the, the well, that's the name of my publishing company. So Virgo Gray dot, uh, is the website that I published on. So if you go there, it has all the old stuff. I really don't publish there anymore. I really don't. I, I mean, I, I upkeep and maintenance the website a little bit, but I really, it's really inactive right now. And recently I started publishing on their poetry. Um, and in addition to that, I started publishing at Carcinogenic Poetry again. Now, Carcinogenic Poetry has been publishing poetry since 2008 or 2009. Um, it has three printed anthologies. Um, and it, it's, uh, I call it a perennial publisher of poetry, meaning it publishes every now and then whenever it wants to. It just never closes. It's, it's kind of what you would also call like an open uh, open, uh, publishing, um, type of publication, open, uh, open, I can't remember what it's called. Anyways, it's been a minute. Um, but so today I decided to go ahead and open up that email so that this way I could begin publishing again and, uh, opening up that doorway because, you know, now I'm finding that I have this flow that I can intermix this, uh, life of, uh, uh, what I'm considering now a public service, which is sharing news reports, um, because I do find that there is a very limited space for news and there's a whole lot of room for opinion, but, but at least I can share some news reports and give you a little bit of my opinion and a little bit of perspective because there's also not a whole lot of that. I'm not saying that my perspective is golden or so valuable, but I mean, in a world where free speech is just less and less, why not have another voice out there saying something? And I don't think that my ideas are half that bad either. So, you know, maybe we can share ideas, you know what I mean? But anyway, so getting back to what I was saying, um, I opened up this email 
so I could begin publishing. And um, I received a very peculiar message. Um, and it, it has to do with what we were talking about last night. Last night, again, we were talking about human trafficking. So this could go several of many different ways because what I'm about to do, I don't know. I, I thought about it. I thought about it. I thought, hey, you know, like, I, I'm going to share this with my audience. Um, and so the gist of it is that I received an email from someone who claims they are being trafficked or they are a victim. Uh, specifically, they say they are a victim of cyber torture. Um, so the reason why this struck me as... And now, here's the thing. The thing about it is that it's not just like, you know, you receive an email. It's like, oh, dear so-and-so, I'm a victim of whatever. Please help me or recharge. This person sent me a message uh, and it's, 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 it's kind of a submission, a poetry submission. So I don't know what to think about it. Um, now, to be sure. Um, now... To be sure, okay, so first of all, I have already, I have already sent this information to the proper authorities or whatever, you know, whoever needs to know about this information. That's the first thing I did. Um, I, I sent it off. So if this is indeed a real situation where someone is being attacked or being exploited or extorted or blackmailed or trafficked. Um, I've already reported it. That's the first thing that I, you, I had to do hands down. There's no way I could sit here and talk to my audience about this without having done that first. That being said, um, I will share with you the letter that was sent to me. Um, I have... I have, um, I have blacked out or rescinded the victim's name, um, the victim's contact information, um, links to pages where you could identify the victim. Um, I'm, I've also made sure that there's no, um, identifying, um, names or descriptions within the paragraph that the victim could be identified even even based on a location um and the other thing about this as well is that i wasn't the only one who received this email this email was sent to uh, uh, over a dozen it looks like other publishing presses so poetry publishing presses, maybe, I don't know. And those are all rescinded as well because I was going to leave them on there, but I figured I may as well rescind it just to be safe. Now, there's some other things about this that we'll talk about. Um, I don't know if anyone else out there has experienced or seen this come through their email or maybe on Facebook because 
in searching for uh, some more information on this uh, individual on this topic, I found that there was a there were numerous Facebook accounts in numerous different states that had this uh, individual associated with uh, a Facebook account, for example, or some other social media account where they had left basically the same message and um, everything but in a different account, in a different city or state, um, on a different social media. But they're on, on, say, like a front page of a search, probably about, I don't know, half of those were different accounts with the same text that I basically have received here. Now, there's there's some things about this that are automatically going to scream fake. And I, I really do hope this is a fake because um, I don't wish this kind of activity on anybody. Um, now, he says cyber torture by new types of neurotechnology. I, I don't know what that is. I haven't really looked it up. I can only guess it's some sort of MK Ultra or mind control or like maybe technology mind melding kind of stuff. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, throwing someone's voice inside his head. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, but, um, okay, so let's let's go ahead and go on a little bit with it. Um, when I say it's fake, you'll know when I get to the part where you'll you'll know why you're gonna think it's fake. There's a certain part in this letter that he sends that you're gonna be like, this is so fake. Okay. So, but the I, I hope it is because I don't want them to experience. The reason why I'm would be very upset if this is not fake. I mean, if this is fake, is because this person is selling this experience to um, a publisher to publish their work. Now, that's disgusting. If this person is faking this, a la a thousand, uh, what, a thousand little, a thousand, what is that book that Oprah published uh, in her Book of the Month Club? Uh, uh, a million little reasons or something like that <laughs> um where the guy was basically like he wrote a, like a fake story and she thought it was real and he said it was and then it came out was fake and then yeah that one i think it was a million i actually own the book i haven't read it but um it's it, if this is like that then this is disgusting this person has really bad taste in writing and it, and 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 a really bad taste in promoting his work. Now, with that said, the experience with Michael Aaron Kosteris is listener supported. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a small monthly donation to support future episodes. You can contribute directly at anchor.fm slash the X podcast. Click on the support button and enter your card information for a secure donation. Choose your monthly donation. 99 cents to 9.99 a month. Every bit helps. Again, visit anchor.fm slash the X podcast spelled 
the t h e x podcast e x p o d c a s t and tell them michael sent you um the uh writer or victim included links to his website and to his facebook which are also rescinded in this letter and I'm going to show it to you guys in a minute I promise um okay so I went to the website um and oh before I tell you about the website I have to tell you this we talked about human trafficking last night on this program this letter that I've got in my mailbox for my publishing company is dated February 5th, 2021. So I received it a full month before I even knew I had it in my inbox. So I was going through it. I actually published some work today online um, in the poetry joints that I have. And... Uh, reading through it this is one of the the submissions that i found and so a full month to the day like he sent this a month ago and i did not even know this was there until today anyways okay um back to what i was saying it just i forgot to tell you guys that and that was the reason why i was like kind of not excited or i was wanting to talk about this topic it's because we were talking about this last night and, and and a bunch of different things have happened today it's been strange like um i woke up with my groove on you know i i i went to go um i went to go get my coffee you know it was a beautiful morning um on the way back home i found two brand new books they're brand new. I mean, I know that they were placed there for a reason. Obviously. I mean, I know the books by name. You know, Bhagavad Gita. Hello. <laughs> and the other one is the Science of Enlightenment. Like, they were sitting there on the curb on my walk on the way back from getting my coffee this morning. Like, it, they weren't there when I went to go get the coffee, but they were there on the way back. Sitting there, perfect brand new and I was like someone's trying to tell me something clearly um it was almost like coming full circle it really was um but then I go to and I remember oh, I, it must have been the espresso it must have been the espresso because I was sitting there in my chair at my vanity, at my workstation, <laughs> and I'm reading this email, and I'm like, oh my god, I, I can't believe I'm reading this, like, this is everything I dread, you know, um, this is everything I dread, and I was forced, my hand was forced, I, I, my hand was, I had to move to action, like, and I don't know, I don't know, you know, like, 
when I talked to you all about the experiences I had with individuals that were trafficked before, I offered the information to these individuals. I didn't report for them because I had to respect their situation. And you're going to say that sounds stupid, but you don't know. Because you can only try so hard that it gets to the point that the people that you're trying to help begin to resent you. And that's, that's a, that's a different road. That's a different path. That's not the point of what you're trying to do by helping people. So this was the first time I really had to do something like that. And, and there are other things that you can do too. And uh, I mean, I can post, I'll post it too. Like, let me, let me pop that baby up. But, um, you know, it, it's like, I've been, I've been kind of digging around into this topic, you know, and, um, it's been there before, but this is something that was really back of mind for, I think, everyone in America and around the world. And I said it in the last episode, and I may have said it before, but human trafficking and child sex trafficking is something that people don't talk about, don't think about, don't want to know about. And it's not that they don't care about it. It's just that it's a very damn scary topic to talk about. Um, so you never really know. And then one of the things about trafficking is it became so politicized in the last three to four years. You know, like it became a topic that literally people use to demonize others for not agreeing with political topics that they had, you know. And so it became no longer a concern of being, um, you know, worried or proactive about helping children or helping people who are being trafficked. It became about not supporting the right candidate or it became about, um, you know, uh, somehow linked to religion or something like that. Um, it, it, it meant that if you were concerned about human trafficking or you were concerned about child sex trafficking, that you were also probably a racist or you were also probably someone who was, um, you know, xenophobic or homophobic or transphobic. Um, sorry, I'm also writing the, uh, banner. It's going to flash across the screen. Uh, the phone number that you can call to report human trafficking, it's the National Human Trafficking Hotline, one 373 or email to help at org. That should help. Let's go ahead and put that on the bottom of the screen. There we go. 
No, that's basically what I did. I forwarded, well, I sent a copy of the email to the National uh, Trafficking Hotline. And, um, I mean, we'll see. I, I really, I just, if this little punk is using the fantasy, because for some some of these idiots out there, that's what it is. Some of these idiots fall into trafficking pits and rings and schemes because they want that, like, fantasy. And then it really happens to them. So, I don't know. But, um, I mean, it is true. It does happen. That is a way that things like that do happen. Um, I've, I've, I mean, that's, that's basically how I, I've, I've met some people like that, you know? Um, that have been in those situations. And like I said, I, I could only help them as much as I could um, without getting myself wrapped up into the same thing too. And I couldn't do that. Um, it, it was a very long and hard road for some part um, in, in some of those instances. But I, in going through all of that, I have been open to all of these things. Now, the reason why it also freaked me out as a synchronicity is that in my political life, in my, 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 you know, I am aware of these things. There are things that I talk about the, and, and so, you know, it's very quite possible that someone has heard me on, you know, Q and A holes podcast, or someone has heard me on queer voice, or someone has heard me on voice of the people way back in 2007 and 2008, when I was talking about the federal reserve and then they found, I mean, I keep all of my social apps open nowadays because, you know, I mean, uh, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't tend to keep them personal anymore. Um, all of my social net apps, apps and networks are compartmentalized. So, you know, like Instagram is generally for art and writing and, you know, I was using um, Twitter for politics and, you know, um, celebrity haranguing, but I really don't use tar uh, Twitter anymore because there's no point. I don't agree with anything that Jack Dorsey has done. I don't believe agree with anything that Twitter stands for. And I think that Twitter as a platform, even though it may have revolutionized communication in the new millennium, it has served its purpose and it's done. It's going to become a ghost of what it used to be and no one's going to use it anymore. No one's going to want to. They, they are clearly an entity that is not concerned with, um, with, with their users and they're not user-friendly. Uh, they are an exclusive elite app that only lets certain people in their club. And I don't like the people that are in their club, generally speaking. So why should I patron their social app? I'll go somewhere else or I'll just have my own. So you can come visit me anytime you want here when I'm live on the experience. Okay. Anyways. So, all right. Um, don't worry, y'all. We are not done. Um, so I'm going to show you the letter now from this guy. And, uh, you know, uh, considering that it was sent to so many people. And once you read it, you're going to be like, Michael, you're stupid. This is a fake. But you never know. And I just thought the synchronicity of it all blew my mind. Because this is not... I have not thought about publishing. So I've not opened this email for this... I mean, I haven't. Even when I use this email address on social media, I don't 
open up the notifications. Um, I haven't anyways. So let's go ahead and let me pull it up on the screen because we're already approaching an hour. Okay. So uh, like I said, I blacked out the parts that show anything I think would endanger the individual. Um, it says, from a victim of cyber torture by new neurotechnologies, a poet reaching out. So like I said, immediately I just, you know, it, it sounds kind of hokey to me from the jump. But nevertheless, it says... I am a targeted individual of cyber torture, human rights violations, acts of terrorism, and crimes against humanity and progress against myself and many others all over the world by new neurotechnologies. I am being verbally, emotionally, physically, and sexually abused, as well as harassed, molested, raped, and tortured on a routine basis by the suspects mentioned below via new neural technologies. Now, this is the part where you're going to say, Michael, this is fake as mm. And, you know, this, this is another reason why it took me aback. Because it falls in line with the conspiracy theories that the media is touting come from conservative right-wing Trump supporters, otherwise known as Q or QAnon. The letter says, primary suspects in my case, Martha Nussbaum, philosopher, Emma Watson, J. Dodd, poet, and James Franco, other possible suspects having a brief presence at least presence at least throughout my cyber torture Seth Rogen, Dave Franco, Danny McBride, Zach Efron, Scarlett Johansson, Lawrence Fishburne, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Hugh Jackman, Jesse Eisenberg, Edward Norton, Billy Bob Thornton, Louis C.K., Susan Sarandon, Tom Hanks, Emma Thompson, John Searle, philosopher, and whoever else they are working with. I mean, that lineup right there reads up like a Golden Globes, you know, Jeffrey Epstein pool party i mean that's exactly that reads like everyone to tom hanks were having a pizza party tonight you know that's what that sounds like to me i i'm i'm i mean so i i i mean when i read that it makes me think this is fake i think this is just a publicity stunt i think it's in very bad taste nonetheless i even though it's now going to be stopping up the uh, National Human Trafficking Hotline with a fake thing, I, I still had to send it over because um, you never know. What if it's true? Um, it concludes, uh, see this website for poetry regarding my experience with cyber torture. Now, like I said, I went to his website. I published poetry 
Um, I'm very, very, very picky. Very, very picky. I don't like slam poetry. I'm not a huge fan of rhyming poetry unless it's done well. I, I, I turned down several poems today. And the poetry that this individual writes, it's, it's not bad. And that to me was probably maybe the only other thing that's telling because, um, if it, if it was someone who's just being stupid and yanking my chain, like someone that's just like, eh, let's make fun of this Yahoo because he's a Trump supporter or uh, he talks about uh, human trafficking on one of his, um, you know, podcasts. Uh, this is very elaborate. If, if it is someone who's just trying to get media attention... Again, it's very elaborate. I mean, I can't I, I can't think of anyone who's in a position that would create this stuff and then you know um I mean I guess maybe if it's true this person feels as a, a, an artist or a poet that they're unable to tell their story to anybody and so they found this as their only outlet i don't know run away you know run away i i saw a picture of the individual uh and and i know the name and like i said i i i i searched it nothing comes up by the individual's name but everything else about this can be found um, and it's everywhere. So I don't know. Like, they're in different states. This letter's in different states, on different Facebook accounts. Um, if this person is, is, is being moved around, that's possible. Uh, say they're a s servant or sex slave. Say they're in the white slave, slave trade. And they just get moved around from place to place. Maybe they're in a certain place for a certain amount of time, but not for long. Um, I mean, I could only imagine that when you get to high enough of a level that there's so much money being thrown around that, you know, it's no problem to have your white slave slavery people moved around by plane or however it might need to be and you know if if they are sex slaves um they have no problems treating them like royalty until they don't need to meaning that they could spoil them very well maybe give them a slight sense of stockholm syndrome and I could and you and I can imagine that happening because a lot of the individuals that get stuck into the human trafficking sex trade via like drugs or something do it for 
the greed and the gluttony of drugs and the high and the sex and the feeling and the pleasure. So they're doing it for those reasons. They get sucked in to it. They get stuck. But this this knocked me out of my chair today. Um, so I have a scrolling across my screen, <laughs> the stuff that you need to know. But um, I, I would also um, take the time to say, hey, look into things like about, you know, the uh, child sex trafficking rings that uh, they're looking into, like Save Our Children, for example. Now, there was this one um, human trafficking organization that called Polaris that was taking a very strong stance against the Q people. But I don't know, there was something kind of gitchy about them. So I might, I don't know, we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, um, really all I could say is stay safe. Keep yourself out of situations that would put you into situations like these um to the person who sent this letter i sincerely hope that you're not experiencing these things and if you are a troll this is indeed a great troll but it's in terrible terrible taste it's 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 terrible terrible publicity stunt and um i i sincerely hope i I mean i hope it's not but i hope it i mean i would hope it is i would hope it's just as it's just a publicity stunt but if you're able to get out of it then you need to get out of it you can't wait for someone to save you sometimes you have to just do it All right, y'all. It's been real. Thanks for hanging out with me. My batteries are dying. I need to go to bed. Y'all have a great evening, and we will see you in the manana. All right. Love y'all. Have a good night. Take care. Something is haunting the town. Adam Longoria has gone missing, and his sister claims she's been seeing a bad man in the shadows. Jesse Bachman confronts a terror that is haunting the town of Suval, but will he be able to stop a pure evil that wants him dead? Get the chilling new novella by Michael Aaron Cassidis, author of The Distance to the End. A Trick of the Eyes, a stunning new work of horror that is keeping readers turning the page. Get A Trick of the Eyes anywhere books are sold, online or in stores, ask for it by name. A Trick of the Eyes by Michael Aaron Casares.